When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. This is SENZ. It is your Sunday afternoon on, uh, well, yeah, towards the end of January, isn't it? We, we're getting there, but it's a big Sunday afternoon. Actually, it's uh, the very last uh, Sevens tournament in New Zealand for the foreseeable future. The Hamilton Sevens is on at the moment, and uh, this is the last one. Basically, New Zealand have lost the Sevens and the right, uh, I was going to say, the right to host a leg of the Sevens. And uh, this is the last one for who knows how long. It doesn't look like the people of Hamilton have exactly turned out in droves either. So maybe it's for the best uh, for a while. But we'll keep you up to date with that. I can tell you there has been a big upset in that the US men uh, beat Fiji 27 7 in their quarterfinal. So Fiji um, ha- will not win the title, which is uh, going to be a big upset. And. Um, that is, uh, yeah, pretty big, you got to say, because they would have been one of the big favourites uh, to progress. But uh, no, uh, they will not be there. So here's uh, the uh, how we are looking at the moment. So New Zealand uh, beat Japan 7-43-12 uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, sorry, like, yeah, must have been earlier today. Uh, Aussie, Aussie beat Great Britain 38-0. USA beat Fiji 27-7. France lost 24-7 to the Irish. Um, Currently, uh, we have uh, coverage from, I think it must be from yesterday at the moment before we cross live. So we'll see if we can get hold of Kirst Stanway. She is there for Sky and uh, get uh, her to give us uh, some intel on what it's like in Hamilton at the moment. Also this morning, we had Joe Parker uh, back in action after his loss to Joe Joyce. He took on Jack Massey and uh, in, in England. This was live on TV3 this morning. Parker won was pretty comfortable, to be honest. He couldn't put Massey away. Uh, Massey was basically just fought and defended, basically fought not to get hit uh, most of the time. But this is what Joe Parker had to say post-fight. Yeah. Listen, Jack Massey, we knew he was going to come prepared and ready. And uh, he put on a good performance. And you know, he was moving a lot, which made it a bit difficult. But I think if he came forward, it would have been a different fight. But like, congrats to Jack for taking all 10 rounds. And thanks for the good fight. This is almost Joseph Parker 2.0, the second sort of part of your career. So what's next? Sorry, if I should have done this first, more more love of my taste to my lungy. We're going to my Jack. Sending my love to everyone in Samoa, New Zealand. 
I don't know what's next. Ask Andy. Maybe well, a better idea. Trainer Andy, what, what would you like to see Joseph do next? Uh, more of everything. Um, pick up on everything. Feet, head, sharper with everything. Um, I think he's just beginning again. It's a rebuilding process, and the 10 rounds are doing good. It's very hard to look good with someone being someone who's been so negative. Those are the hardest opponents to look good against. You saw when Jack stood and they traded, it was an exciting fight, but it was too little, too, you know, too little too often, yeah. Back to winning ways, well done. Yeah, so as Andy Lee said there, uh, the trainer of Joseph Parker, yeah, he didn't basically didn't give them an opportunity to do anything because he was so defensive, went backwards uh, and didn't really throw, didn't really engage. Every time Parker got close, he would clinch as well. He ended up actually having a point taken off him for clinching. Uh, and the commentary team who were doing the fight, uh, basically at the end of it, they thought that Parker had won all 10 rounds. It didn't come out that way on the scorecards officially, uh, but he was pretty dominant. Now, Eubank Jr. is taking on Liam Smith at the moment as well. That's in the second round. And kicking off shortly, in about 10 minutes' time actually, is the Wellington Phoenix women's team in the Liberty A-League. Uh, this is what coach Natalie Lawrence had to say before their big match today. Right now, another opportunity for the team to familiarise themselves with Sky Stadium. How, how important is, is this to do for the team? Yeah, I, I think for us it's hugely important. We want to make Sky Stadium our home, and the more we can train and play here, the more comfortable we'll be. Um, and, you know, just, you know, we have quite a young squad, so taking away um, kind of any extra anticipation or nerves ahead of game day is pretty good for us. The girls love it. The girls love coming here, um, seeing the seeing the changing room, getting set up and, and just familiarising themselves with this field and yeah, so it's really good for us. We're really happy we can have the opportunity to do it. It's been a massive week for everyone, obviously a road trip to Perth and then the football firms playing midweek as yeah. well. How has everyone recovered for this game? Yeah, everyone seems to be doing pretty well. The, the trip back was... Um, yeah, it was definitely long, like it, it's a long trip for us, um, but we've managed to get four sessions in, which is great. Um, Betsy's come back from the Ferns looking really good. Uh, she was obviously a bit tired after chasing the stakes around for 90 minutes. I thought she played incredibly well. Um, so we're really, really happy to have her back after a couple of weeks of not having her. She's got the fight in her. And yeah, everyone seems to be doing pretty well. We've still got the same injuries. Lily still struggling with her back. Um, Roller's obviously suspended, Alyssa's still out, um, and then everyone else is pulling up really well. We've got a little bit of sickness, uh, which we're just managing, um, but other than that, everyone seems to be okay. Sickness that could rule players out? or um, Hopefully not. We're going to see how we kind of get on today. Um, it may limit some minutes um, rather than rule out, but we'll be, we'll be sensible with it. We don't want the sickness to spread around the group. Um, we, we've got another short week coming up with an away trip to Brisbane, so um, we can't really afford to lose anyone anyone else to sickness. So we'll kind of see how they get on today, see if it clears their lungs a little bit, and then make the decision from there. And you mentioned Betsy. Is she able to back up again and do another 90 minutes tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. So we had a really good load management plan for her. Um, so she was, she was away with the ferns and just doing the ferns. We knew she was going to play 90. We knew she needed to play 90. Um, and then she's had modified training since she's been back. She's had a day off, so yeah, she, she's feeling really physically good. So she's in a really good spot. So yeah, she'll be able to back up no problems. And her absence, obviously, Grace Wisniewski's been very key for the, for the team. And how proud were you to, to see her make her Ferns debut on Wednesday? Yeah, it was definitely a special moment being able to be here in the stadium um, and kind of 
we managed to see like the whole event unfold where she gets taken for the warm-up, gets given the set pieces, you can see the nervous energy, but I thought she came on and did an amazing job and for us as a club um, and for us as coaches that have kind of worked with her for a number of years and seen everything she's gone through to see her make one of her dreams come true and be able to be there for it was a special moment for her, for us, for her family and yeah, it kind of shows that the pathway's working. You've obviously got a few ferns still in action today as well. Yep. Will there be some nervous energy while you're watching that, hoping <laughs> everyone gets through all right and able to make the flight back tonight? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we try and name our squad as early as we can to get everybody kind of set and ready. And we've kind of said to everyone, just all be ready. Um, but like, we're, we're really happy with the plan that we've put in place. I spoke to Yetka again last night and... Yeah, she, she's all across kind of the minutes and, and kind of the importance of the game that we have tomorrow. Um, and she she fully appreciates that as we appreciate the fact that um, giving players an opportunity to play against the best team in the world, Eden Park, which is going to be the host of the, uh, the first game at the World Cup, gives some of the fringe players the opportunity to put their hand up to be part of that World Cup squad as well. Like, I think we've managed to manage it pretty well between the two of us. Um, to get the most out, best, get the best out of all the worlds. So apart from Emma Ralston, you're expecting all the other ferns to be available come tomorrow. Yes, yes, touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> and just finally on Canberra as well, uh, they touched you up a bit earlier in the season. How much has the team improved? You think from that game in round three? I think it was. Yeah, I, I think that that was a big turning point for us. Um, we were really disappointed with how we played. Um, I don't think they played against the Phoenix that day. Um, so we're going to need to show them what it's like to play against the Phoenix and and that's what we want to do, we want to right those wrongs of that game but what that game allowed us to do was reset and really focus on kind of some key progressions that we wanted and I think I think we've seen that and one of the things we've, I've spoken to the players about is like we've got to stop saying that we deserve something out of the games and get something out of them so that's going to be a big focus for Canberra, we know they've just come off a 5-1 win um, so we know their threats uh, but we, we, we want to play we want them to play against the proper Phoenix tomorrow There you go, that is Natalie Lawrence talking uh, yesterday ahead of today's game which kicks off in about five minutes time the Wellington Phoenix as you'd expect a women's team, uh, they haven't had a win yet this season they are outside as $5.50 at the TAB the draw $4.50, Canberra United paying $1.44, Grace Jale it'd be interesting to see uh, if she plays any part, of course former Phoenix player part of the Ferns setup as well so whether or not uh, she will be part of the starting lineup for Canberra United today it sounds like there's going to be a few of the football Ferns certainly uh, now, had lots of texts through on double eight double three this morning uh, talking about the TAB and talking about Karaka Million. And yeah, I mean, this is like a, I invested a little bit with the boys get paid, um, but unfortunately, it turned out the TAB were the only ones getting paid because uh, I, I think I have my investment basically. But there you go, that, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, so if you had a, had a good day at Karaka yesterday, let us know. Um, or if you've got any tips for today, uh, plenty of sport on, as I mentioned, and just rectifying something I said earlier. Uh, because, of course, there's the Women's uh, World Series of Sevens and the Men's going on at the same time. I was looking at the wrong thing, but I will tell you this much. Uh, we are we do have a live ma- match at the moment, and uh, the New Zealand Men's Sevens team are 5-all with Ireland at the moment in the first half of their quarterfinal, uh, sorry, semi-final, about a minute and a, ha- minute and a half to go. But I can tell you... F- Fiji um, have have been knocked out of the men's and the women's at the quarterfinal stage. Argentina beat Fiji 19-10. US beat Australia 28-14. 
And big news uh, from the UK boxing world, Chris Eubank Jr. was massive, massive favourite to beat Liam Smith today in the boxing. Was uh, Joe Parker was part of that undercard, but Liam Smith has stopped Chris Eubank Jr. in the third round, I believe. Um, so I'll get you some more information on that, but that is a big stoppage for Liam Smith. Elsewhere, there is also... Uh, NFL on at the moment. We're in the divisional playoff times and currently the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs and the Jags are going head to head. It's just the start of the third quarter there at the moment and the Chiefs are leading 17-10 in that one. 12 past 12 here on SENZ. We've got plenty more to get to, including Australian Open. Jenny Binden, uh, former Football Ferns goalkeeper, is going to join us out of LA as well in this hour. After 1 o'clock, Daniel Richardson, uh, combat sports writer and fan. Uh, he's going to join us. We're going to talk Joe Parker. We'll talk some UFC as well with him with a big card on today from the UFC. And then we will also uh, catch up with David Choate, former All-White, and get his take on the Wellington Phoenix. They play today at 3 o'clock. We have live commentary from 2.30 here on SENZ. We'll also get Choate's take on the EPL. All of that and more to come, plus your calls. you got something you want to say, something you want to drop in, whether it's on the Black Caps and their big loss, which we haven't touched on yet, the Australian Open, the Sevens, the football, or anything else. Get in touch, double eight double three or 0800 150 811. This is SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball and uh, 17 past 12. I can tell you that uh, yeah, Liam Smith, having watched that uh, well and truly uh, cleaned up Chris Eubank Jr. in the third round. Uh, it, was a, it was a flurry in the corner. He had uh, Eubank Jr. in the corner. Um, he landed a few shots, but Eubank Jr. was slipping a lot, and then he through an uppercut which landed flush, followed up by a left hook, which put Eubank Jr. down. He got back up, took a standing eight count, and then came forward again, but he, he looked rocky um, on his legs then uh, and walked straight into another uppercut. And the, At that point, the referee uh, wrapped up the fight. So that is a big win for Liam Smith. Chris Eubank Jr. going into this fight was ranked second by BoxRec and Ring Magazine, second best middleweight in the world. Um, if he won this, he was a title shot with uh, Triple G, I think, on the cards. That is not happening. And uh, Liam Smith now, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes and what Chris Eubank Jr. does from here as well because that's a pretty devastating loss for him and an unexpected loss. Still 5-all as well tied up in the sevens, New Zealand versus Ireland in their cup semi-final. Five minutes to go in that and uh, the Irish are in their own territory but they have the ball and I'll keep you up to date with that as it plays out. This is where the competition sits at the moment, the sevens. So in the quarterfinals for the women, Australia beat Great Britain 38-0. Fiji lost 27-7 to the US. So Australia and the US play at about 20 past one today in one cup semi-final. The other cup semi-final will be uh, our Blackfern Sevens team. They took care of Japan 43-12 earlier today. The Irish beat France 24-7. So uh, the uh, Blackfern Sevens team will play Ireland in the cup semi-final. That at about 1.40 today. Uh, flicking over to the men's. So in the cup quarterfinals, the French beat South Africa 22-17, which was an upset. They play Argentina uh, at around 10-3 because Argentina cleaned up Fiji men's 19-10. And then the uh, USA, uh, sorry, yeah, oh, they've, got a, they've crossed it over actually. So USA play Argentina because USA beat Australia 28-14. Uh, the winner of New Zealand Island then plays 
France at 10 to 3, uh, the other semi final at 10 past 3. So that is where we sit at the moment with the Sevens. We'll keep you up to date with that as it goes on. I can tell you also in the NFL. The Chiefs still leading the Jags by 17 to 10. And uh, we've had kickoff in the Phoenix women's game as well. They take on Canberra uh, today. And Chloe Knott, the f- uh, midfielder, uh, she's played all over the place, played as a six, played as an eight, played as a 10, even played as a false nine for the Knicks women's team over the last season and a half. This is what she had to say before the match. Chloe, I want to ask you about your um, experience with the Wellington Phoenix women. You've played in every game that the team has played. How do you reflect on, you know, the Chloe Knott who turned up on day one to the Chloe Knott that you are now? Yeah, I think a lot of learning in between then and now. Um, like, we were still trying to gel as a team and I was still trying to figure out my role and, you know, what I was doing in that position and how I could help the team best. And I think we've built on that every week. And I think individually, like, I've gotten more and more comfortable with my role in the team and how I can best help everybody so um yeah I think feeling more confident we're just like really waiting for that win you know so but um yeah just improvement over time I think you've also had a leadership role uh, not necessarily thrust upon you but um with Lily and also Kate not there um how have you enjoyed um leading this team I mean like they lead still so like even though I'm captain on the on the field they're always in the background and leading at trainings and whatever they're doing so I'm not alone so there's lots of leaders on the team but yeah it's just been great to like have the armband and yeah have that role I've enjoyed it. In your own development as a footballer um, where do you think the biggest you know um, development areas have come in your game during your time as a professional with the club? Yeah I think probably mentality wise like um, just going through a season and losing and not getting the results you want but but making sure I'm trusting the process and still sticking to what I've been told to do and trusting, you know, what we're doing. I think that's been really important for me. And, yeah, I, I back the team and I think it's just sticking with the process and the mentality piece of it. That's really interesting that, so you basically you still have full trust in that, you know, what the coaching staff and everyone, you know, including yourself, obviously are putting out there will eventually bear fruit and those results will come? Yeah, 100%. Like, we work so hard in the background to, like, play a style of football and, you know, every training we're getting closer and closer and I think every game we're getting closer. I think we have hiccups here and there, but, you know, I still trust what we're trying to do and I think at one point it's all going to come together and we'll put in a full 90 performance. We won't let in silly goals and we'll score some hopefully too soon, yeah. Fantastic. And I saw you in the crowd the other day at the uh, the Women's International um, supporting some of your teammates out there and obviously your eligibility is, um, is still to come, I think, next year. So mm-hmm. could you sort of look out there and picture what it might be like in the future to wear that shirt yourself? Yeah, that's pretty much what I was feeling. Like, I was so proud of the girls going out. Like, was getting her first cap. I was just, just felt so much pride for her and I was really happy for her and I just kept thinking, like, I can't wait for my moment. Hopefully I get that. So... Yeah, hopefully one day, but yeah, so it was such a cool experience the whole day. There you go, that is Chloe not hoping to turn out for the Ferns at some point as well once her residency is all sorted out. Um, nil all between Wellington and Canberra at the moment as things stand. Nil all, uh, they're only seven minutes into that one, but I can tell you that uh, on the field for Canberra, uh, there is uh, Grace Jale has lined up. She's part of a, what looks like a front three, potentially playing as a left winger as well. So we'll keep you up to date with the scores in that as well. Still five all between uh, the All Black Sevens team and the Irish. About a minute 40 to play in this game. 
Uh, I think the Irish have somebody in the bin. So the All Black Sevens team are on attack. They're in the Irish 22. They have a throw into a line out. Uh, score here, and they, you would have to think, are in the semi final with uh, the time that is left on the clock. Um, we'll have to see on that. The uh, team definitely on the front foot against the Irish and about to go in in the corner, are they? Uh, no, they're having to reset, but. We'll keep you up to date with that and all the other live sport that we have uh, going on today. We're here through till 2.30 for you, and then we switch over to live coverage of the Wellington Phoenix men's game. They take on the Central Coast Mariners from Sky Stadium later on today. And Brady Rush has just scored for uh, the All Black Sevens team, so they are in. They now lead 10-5 with just over a minute to go in the conversion to come. When we come back, Jenny Binder. Former New Zealand football fern goalkeeper. She's played at two Olympics, two World Cups for us. She's coaching Cal State women's side at the moment. She's going to join us and talk football ferns next. 12.29 here on SENZ. It is um, 17.10 to the Chiefs over the Jags in the uh, NFL at the moment. Five minutes left in the third quarter there. Looks like Patrick Mahomes playing with a, a high ankle sprain. Uh, he did something in the at the end of the first quarter. can tell you that the All Black Sevens team have beaten Ireland 10-5, probably a bit harder than you thought it might have been, but they are through to a semi-final against the United States. It's to the United States we head now to catch up with former Football Ferns goalkeeper Jenny Binder, now part of the Caltech coaching team over there. And uh, no doubt, Jenny, your eye pretty closely on the games over the last couple of days between the US women's team and the Football Ferns. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having us, Ricardo. Yeah, any time, mate. Any time. Uh, I mean, the I know the US uh, were using this as you know prep for the World Cup, which is going to be here in under six months' time. They brought a big crew, a uh, big crew with them. Maybe not completely full strength, but close to. What uh, What did you make of how the US women's national team looked uh, without some of those key pieces and, and and trying a few things out? Yeah, I think um, the, this was really set up for the U.S. to come over. Um, I think it was good publicity for the FIFA Women's World Cup, kind of giving a, a look at what, what's coming ahead, I think, with 500-plus uh, thousand tickets sold. I mean, if you go online trying to get a ticket, they're cheap as chips, but they're, they're hard to come by. But having the uh, U.S. on the North Shore uh, and down in Wellington, they're giving a good look at what it's like. I think we're teasing them a little bit with the uh, weather that they had. Um, it's not going to be anything like that in June and July, but um, the sideways uh, rain and wind uh, is yet that they didn't get to experience that. Thank goodness. Well, they almost did, but they didn't didn't have too much of it. Um, but the U.S. brought brought a really strong team. I think you know you have Mallory Swanson, Mallory Pugh, now Swanson. She she played well. I thought she was uh, key for them, and Galaka would have been pretty excited with how she came out. I think there's some other players that got opportunity in minutes. Um, I think. They, they tried to sit back and experience what it would be like to play against a team that would sit in the mid or lower block against them because, you know, they, they didn't come out in high press New Zealand. I think they, 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 they kind of let off the, the pedal a little bit against, against, against us. But, um, you know, I think he'll take some positives. You still have some Megan Latino wasn't available. Kristen Press, uh, I think, is still in the hunt of trying to come back and for them, they had key players like Mallory Swanson, uh, Crystal Dunn, that got key minutes, and they brought a few players in that haven't had a lot of minutes. Um, you know, Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman, I think he's really trying to decide, does he bring back 
these older players to replace them, or are they good enough to, to play in this upcoming World Cup? So I think this tour was all about U.S. and not about New Zealand. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, because, I, I mean, it, they, the U.S. were strong. I, they were without a few, but they were still stronger than, than New Zealand, given that this was outside of a FIFA window. But uh, still majority of that U.S. women's team play in the U.S. and, and that, that league's not currently active at the moment, right? So they could, maybe they might, might not have been fully, uh, uh, I guess, you know, sort of mid-season sharp, but they had a lot more players available than maybe what New Zealand did. Yeah, they had quite a few players available. I mean, the, the, the National Women's Soccer League and WSL is currently on their break. Those, those players will return and then they'll go into their training camp probably um, here at the end of January, beginning of February. They'll start, start their training camps all over the U.S. A lot of those players are just in their pre-preseason. And um, so this was a great opportunity for them to get a good workout in, get, get together, do, do what they need to do, prepare to be ready for their, their upcoming season, but also a great preparation for Blackwood to see what needs to, they needed to do to be prepared for this upcoming World Cup. So I think it was a great opportunity for them to see what the hotels are like, to actually experience New Zealand in a really uh, you know, awesome weather, great time of year to, to be in New Zealand. So I think it was just a plus plus for them. I do think it, you know, whenever New Zealand has the opportunity to showcase a team that's, you know, uh, the current FIFA champions, you you don't you don't scoff at that or not not do it. So I think, you know, uh, Yitka probably would have wanted a, a different team. But what it did is it forced a lot of younger players in, uh, that have that opportunity to step up. You know, like Taylor O'Brien, I was excited for her. I think I played with her. She was just a, a young young teenager when I was playing with her, but. To see those type of players get get those opportunities, I think, is massive for New Zealand because we're such a small country, and and really letting uh, the young female athletes know that there is there's pathways for them to play at an international level. I think were the positives that came out of it. I thought Grace Jail was really good. Olivia Chance will probably be captain in New Zealand one day. I know she got the arm band off the alley at the end there, but you know, I think there are some positives um, to take away from the tour, but. Unfortunately, you know, hopefully, I'm sure yet we'll be getting ready to play other teams that will prepare us to be successful in getting that first win. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and I'll, and I'll get to the ferns in a minute. I just wanted to get your take on one thing that uh, Vlatko Andonovsky said uh, ahead of uh, both these games, isn't that? That's it. Julie Ertz is obviously uh, she's on maternity leave at the moment, and she's been a big part of that US team for a long time, screening the defence, you know, anchoring the midfield, um, and a big part of what he was looking at is who who can play that role for him with Julie out. Uh, do you think he got the answer to that question here? I think with Haran having the only opportunity to play in one game, um, probably, you know, he he got to look at her a little bit, probably saw enough to know that getting Juliet's back will be huge for them. I mean, of the players that weren't there, that would be one of the key players that, that I think um, they'll want to add to that roster. I mean, you do have, like, Megan Rapino that's not, not there, but I think with Trinity Rodman and, and there's enough uh, Ashley Sanchez, other players, can Lynn Williams, Corniak, they, that, that, that position – although it may not have the same flair as her, that position is filled. But that, that central defense in front and that screen, Julie Ertz is, uh, you know, she's she's a pretty special player. And having her and Haran in there, uh, and then Rose Lavelle, who's probably one of one of the top, you know, 10 players in the world, um, 
you know, one thing they didn't do that he probably would think is that she needed to be on the ball more. I mean, she's the playmaker for that team. Now, uh, what about Trinity Rodman? I mean, she's a great story, the daughter of Dennis Rodman, obviously, but um, I thought she was pretty impressive when she got her opportunities. Uh, she, she looked uh, tough to stop. She's got plenty of pace, a, a real athlete. Yeah, she's amazing. I was fortunate enough uh, when I was at UCLA, we were recruiting her and uh, pretty much she had committed and then decommitted from UCLA. So got to meet, um, you know, her and her family and her mom is, you know, Mama Bear at the best. She's she's done a lot to help Trinity and her successes. And um, I think uh, her dad, Dennis, will come and go. But, you know, she she pretty much, Michelle, has been the catalyst to, to her career. And I think her brother plays up at Washington State. And, I mean, she's she's had a lot of people support her here in the South Bay of California. And she she's a special athlete, a, an amazing human being. And uh, she's going to do great things. I mean, that's where if you – She'll, she'll probably fill the place of a Megan Rapino where, you know, politically we'll have a, a, a voice, uh, fashionably we'll have a voice, and she's just a, the, the complete package and, and actually a really amazing human being. Now, Jenny, let's talk about the football ferns. Um, I don't know how much you can take out of this if you could come over. I mean, it, it's a great uh, spectacle. Um, it's a great opportunity to look at some, some younger players to get the team together. But, I mean, realistically... Uh, when you're 24th in the world playing, defending back-to-back world champions, um, I think it's a big ask for, to expect them to get a win uh, or a result in these. Um, probably that first half of the first game was their best effort. What did what did you make of the team across those two games? Yeah, I think I think it will. I mean, you're going to spin it and find positives out of all of it. I think she would have preferred to play uh, the U.S. with a with a stronger team. Um, you know, I think like um, missing some key players, Victoria Essen, um, you know, um, Michaela Moore. I mean, you had uh, Katie Bowen, like Hannah Wilkinson, some of these key names that are Rebecca constantly Stott. mentioned amongst yeah. the firms. Rebecca Stott, 100%. Like, you know, and, you know, and unfortunately, I respect Abby's decision, but, you know, Abby's probably the best player to ever played for New Zealand as a fern. And, um, you know, so there's some really key names out there, I think. I actually liked, I mean, having Anna Greenback as a, as a true lefty, as a center back, I think she did really well. Um, I think those are positives that you would take, knowing that you could move Allie inside as well. Um, get to, to have her stay on the pitch for, uh, for longer as a center back could be a positive. I thought Grace Jail was active down the right side. Um, I mean, Betsy Hess is always a work engine, but, you know, we didn't step enough and, and caused a lot of problems. We can't let teams run at our our midfield that's going to, or our back line that's going to cause massive problems. But I think Yicka will always find the positive of it. I mean, Gabby Rennie was busy up at the top there. Um, so there are some. Olivia Chance always, you know, always creating. But I just feel that um, from this, it was good that there were some girls that got some opportunities to get some caps. I think we had four, four new caps. I think we had 202 now is what I read of, of uh, football phones. So that's exciting. But um under the circumstances, um, I, I think Yitka would have preferred to have played that at a, at a more, you know, a higher strength. They did well in the first half. I think that the U.S. had a game plan to to not press high, to kind of sit back and let teams come at them a little bit, um, and and that played into our favor a little bit. But they they did well. I mean, Aaron had a great save in that first half. Allie and uh, Anna were really secure. They were winning balls. Um, I mean, we defended for a majority of it, but that's New Zealand, right? We have to be ready to, to defend in our middle and defending third, and, and the girls did that, and they got that 
that effort. But I think that was the win. And then after that, it was damage control. Mm. Uh, your thoughts on Erin Naylor? I mean, she got the opportunity to be number one in both games here. Uh, but I think probably she is now more susceptible than ever to, to being uh, turned over as New Zealand number one. You mentioned Vic Essen, who's playing at Celtic. Uh, she couldn't be here because it's not a FIFA window. Also, Anna Leet, she's uh, now playing for Aston Villa in the Women's Super League in England. I mean, they had a one-all draw with Manchester City, who were one of the top teams over there this morning. She played the, the, the game in goal for New Zealand. I mean, both those players, I would think, where they're playing, the level they're at, are, are probably ahead of you, aren't they? Yeah, and I think Erin knows that. I think what you know, what Erin has done is, I mean, I she she's been a, uh, the Ferns keeper, the incumbent for many years now, and I think that it was great for her to return to home soil and and get get this opportunity. And now, you know, she's a good teammate. The girls really like her, and she's good in the locker room, and she's good around. So, as long as she she accepts that role, um, then I think she'll she'll be fine. But um, yeah, I think that. Having Vic or or Anna, uh, you know, I mean, anyone who understands soccer or football will know that that those two are playing really lights out at the moment and are going to be hard to for Aaron to to keep that number one jersey. Um, but um, you know, all respect, hats off to Aaron. Totally respect her as a as a player and and a human. And she's she's a you know the girls love her in the locker room. And I think you know you will we still need her around supporting and doing what doing those things and pushing those girls. I mean, she has the experience to help them in those situations. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've watched Vic and Anna for, for quite some time now, and, you know, I think it's really positive that you have two keepers. You know, we probably thought we had issues with goalkeepers, but now you have two keepers that are really pushing each other for that one number one jersey, and, you know, those will be decisions that you will have to make. But um, I definitely think Vic and Anna are really stepping up. I think a player that we are missing at the moment who uh, will be fit in time for the World Cup, we're told, um, is Rhea Percival. You know, she's been key for uh, the Ferns in the middle of the park. She she previously was a was a fullback and they um, shifted her to a defensive midfield position, which seemed to work really well for both her and the team. That's where she's been playing for Tottenham Hotspur as well. Um, how much of a difference do you think she'll make when she comes back? I mean, that's that her football IQ is off the charts. I think she's one of, you know, she understands the game and, and, you know, having players like that, Rebecca Stopback, uh, are going to be pivotal. I mean, Katie Bowen and Betsy Hassett are Indians. Having them on the pitch will make a big difference. And, and, you know, Rhea, I think started running and uh, first running on her birthday this year. So I think there's really positives for her. She's going to be eager. She's going to be rested. <laughs> so, and, you know, either either with these types of injuries, I mean, the ones that are dedicated usually come back stronger and she's going to have that little chip on her shoulder and something to prove. Uh, and I'm excited to have her back on the, on the team and I think she'll be really positive for the group. What about Ali Riley's future? I know she's the skipper and she's been there for so long. She's our record caps holder and, you know, she's a great leader. She's a great face and voice for the team as well. Uh, but I wonder, you know, that, the way that Rhea Percival got changed from a, a fullback to a, um, a midfield player, maybe that's something they could look at with her as well because it does feel like she's probably lost that that extra yard of pace you need as a fullback in the in the international game. Yeah, I mean, Allie Riley, just before we go on about her, her playing, is, is not only amazing for the football firms but for, for women's football, her voice and, and advocacy that she has here in America is really big and globally. So, um, you know, she's been a, 
she's been a world world leader in within the game of women's sports, and we have quite a few football firms that are in that space. Rebecca Smith, um, she she does a lot within the women's game. Um, you have Rebecca Souden who does a lot for the women's game. Uh, Sarah Gregoria. So this it's really positive how the football firms are always kind of giving back, not only um, you know in New Zealand but on a global stage. So that's pretty exciting. I really liked Allie as a center back. I thought she was very controlling of the back line. Um, I, 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 uh, I texted her dad and said, oh, maybe she can play another four years if they move inside, jumping <laughs> around with them. But, um, yeah, I really I agree with you. I think that she, she still offered a lot to the team. Her leadership is, is pretty amazing, and I liked her as a, as a, as a center back in there as a four. So I, would, I think Yitka might be – uh, light bulb moment, maybe moving her in there would be, be good. And, I mean, you have the, the legs of some of these younger girls coming through that did well. They defended against some of the top. I mean, Mallory Swanson is pretty pretty electric and pretty quick. Um, you know, Hatch, uh, Rodman, um, you know, that's, we're going to need speed in the flank areas uh, to be successful. Well, I was going to say that because that's the other thing is, um, you know, do you then look potentially at a change of shape? Because, you know, obviously Ellie uh, is – should we say, uh, not massive on the height front. Um, so, uh, you know, and as a centre-back, you always want a bit of height in there. I mean, does Yitka look at going to a back three and having Ali play like that that sweeper position and, and the distributor from the back? I don't know. I thought about that a little bit. I, I, I thought she did well in the four four two. I think they got flat a couple times. I don't know. I think maybe a four one four one. You still would have the cover of, you know, if you have, have someone like a Rhea sitting in front of those back four. I think it's limiting um, the, those crosses and those aerial balls in. Um, but, you know, and I think that's where uh, whoever's in goal uh, has to be super aggressive and really dominate uh, their six and, and uh, 18 or that second six-yard box as a goalkeeper is really, really important. But I think Yitka will, will, will put a team together. I think it'll be completely different to what we saw on this tour. Um, but but she will have to make some adjust, adjustments to the personnel that she has So um, on, 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 that, on that shape. So it'll be, I don't think she's going to play a 4-3-3 or... I don't think the diamond is right for us. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's either going to end up being a, a three-five-three that pushes back to a back five in our defending uh, third, which is where we play a lot. So having the extra numbers, but that's where we need to have people that can really be isolated up top and create for us. Um, but I think we're starting to see that with some of the players that are coming through, the younger players coming through, and hopefully Hannah always will sneak you a few goals. Fingers crossed. Uh, we do have games coming up in February uh, against Portugal, who are ranked 22nd in the world, and Argentina, who are ranked 29th in the world. Um, so we've got those games coming up. I did like this from Yitka. She was asked after the press conference if the shift uh, next month would be to results, and she just said yes. Uh, and that also means goals, and that is something that this team has struggled to, uh, to do, is score. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, you, you can you can always go for a draw, but you're never going to win unless you actually put the ball in the back of the net. So, I think that's going to be huge in these next next uh, you know uh, campaign that Yika has, and and it, and we are at that point where you know the goal of this team is to is to get that elusive win at a World Cup. So, you need to start practicing winning. So it's no longer uh, competing to compete, but they must compete to win. And I think. I think Yitka will be preparing her team to do that. I think you did see a little, you know, uh, opportunities where that came. I think there are some players that 
weren't available that can add to that. I think Indy uh, Riley does a really, she has that in her, uh, I believe. So I saw her play here in the States against the Philippines, and I was pretty impressed with her ability to get on the ball and create. And that's what we need to do more, and that is create opportunities. And we didn't really create anything against the U.S. except on set pieces. So either we need to get more set pieces or and we are attacking third or we got to start creating more uh, and, and taking those opportunities. Yeah, indeed. All right. And uh, what chance are we going to see you back here for the World Cup, Jenny? I am back. I'm like, well, it's quite ironic. I am, I, you know, I love, you know me, Ricardo, I love to give back. And when the opportunity came up um, for uh, TLOs, I, I became a TLO hoping to represent uh, New Zealand football firms in New Zealand, but I will be a, a, a football firm that uh, is working with Korea in, uh, and I'm based in Brisbane. So I'll be in Australia. So if anyone knows anything about Brisbane that a team should be doing, please DM me. Uh, I, I need to really start to know that Brisbane's safe. So um, yeah, so an American Kiwi in Australia as yeah. a, a team liaison officer. We'll, hopefully that works out. Yeah, take them to Waterworld. Waterworld's always good. I appreciate that, Ricardo. I'm going to look that up now. Thank All right, you, so you, do, you do that. Jenny, thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, keep up the good work at Caltech, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, eh? Oh, sounds great, mate. All the best. Yeah, Cheers. you too, man. You too. Uh, Jenny Binden there, former football fern goalkeeper with us and, uh, yeah, working now at Caltech as the coach there and going to be a team liaison officer back here during the World Cup all in Australia, at least, for the Koreans, as she just uh, told us there. Good to see. Hopefully she can get over here for some of the football ferns games as well at some point. It is 11 away from one here on SENZ. I'll update all the live scores for you next. This is SENZ, Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball. We are five away from one o'clock. The Jacksonville Jaguars have tightened things up in the uh, divisional playoffs uh, against Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City did have a big lead. It's now 20-17. Kansas City are on the ball, though, and Mahomes is still out there, even though he has been struggling with an ankle injury, and uh, they're on a drive at the moment. We'll keep you up to date with that. Also, I can tell you, nil all between the Wellington Phoenix women's team and Canberra and United. The Phoenix have had a couple of fantastic chances. Uh, one from sort of long range and on the angle where the keeper came out and missed it, uh, and uh, they were covering defender. So uh, the Phoenix player, I think it was Wisniewski, couldn't take a touch, but she had a shot that went wide. Uh, and then there was another shot from Wisniewski that the keeper nearly put in her own net, went for a corner. So uh, they're certainly uh, taking it to Canberra. Looks like they probably have, uh, statistically on the balance of play, the Phoenix have the better of the game so far. Uh, still six minutes before half time. So we'll keep you up to date with that one. I can tell you that the Sevens, they've got the uh, semi-finals going on at the moment for the plate. And the women's, we'll keep you up to date when we get some more of those games coming through. The Black Ferns uh, will be in action in the not-too-distant future. You can get your thoughts through to us too on double eight double three double eight double three. Joe Parker, he won this morning. What did you make of that? Uh, we also had the Black Caps getting skilled for not very much against the Indians. Got a big UFC card this afternoon. Uh, coming up as well. I've uh, got the NFL going on, got the Breakers with a must-win game tonight um, and uh, to go with the must-win game they had the other night that they didn't win and they've now lost four on the bounce. Will they see the postseason? Uh, it's certainly starting to fall apart for the Breakers. Keen to hear from you. Double eight, double three is the text line. This is SENZ. 
Sunday afternoons with Ricardo Ball. Just gone at one o'clock. Updating you uh, from the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs have uh, just scored a touchdown. They are up 26-17 now over Jacksonville. 10 plays, 75 yards on that scoring drive for them. So uh, back in the ascendancy, it would seem, uh, for the uh for the Kansas City Chiefs. Also, I can tell you, uh, in that period uh, of five minutes we were away for the ad break, the Wellington Phoenix women's team have scored twice. Uh, Millie Clegg uh, with a great goal from a corner, and uh, then she set up, uh, she crossed for Betsy Hassett to score at the far post. So uh, Wellington Phoenix women are 2-0 up over Canberra and United just about half time in that one. We'll keep you up to date with those scores throughout the day and also from the sevens as well, which is going on in Hamilton. We did have live boxing this morning on TV3. Good to see some free-to-wear fights. And uh, Joseph Parker was a part of that. He got a uh, win over Jack Massey. Do- joining us to talk about that and some UFC as well is uh, former combat sport writer and, and super fan, Daniel Richardson. G'day, mate. How are you? Good afternoon, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, Joe, uh, I, I thought it was interesting what Andy uh, Lee said afterwards, that basically Jack Massey didn't come to fight. It was hard to execute what they wanted to do when the guy was just covering up and going backwards the whole time and, and hugging Joe a lot. What, what did you make of the fight? Oh, I thought it was pretty underwhelming, wasn't it? Um, mm. It certainly wasn't the performance that Parker would have been looking for like this, he probably had to come out and make a little bit of a statement um, with the greatest respect to Jack Massey, who's forged a fairly respectable career so far throughout professional boxing. He doesn't really have many signature wins. He certainly wasn't a big body coming up to be a heavyweight for the first time, having made his way as a cruiserweight. And uh, I think that was pretty underwhelming from Joseph Parker in general. Um, comfortably won on the scorecards. I thought a few of the scorecards were quite generous from... Um, there's some judges there that might have been swayed a little bit by a parochial local cl- crowd, but yeah, Joe Joe would probably look back on that one with a touch of disappointment. Yeah, it was interesting because you know we obviously had the Sky uh, UK Sky commentary team, and basically they commentated Jack Massey the entire fight and talked about how well he was doing and how well he was taking Parker's punches and how well he was staying in the fight. Yet when it came to the end of the fight, uh, the guest commentator was it Carl Frock, I think it was, had given all ten rounds to Joe. Yeah, and I think they had that uh, verdict that uh, the fans could vote on during the fight as well. If you scan the QR code and people could uh, provide their two cents and they had Joe pitching a shutout. Look, I probably gave two rounds um, on my very unofficial scorecard to Massey. I thought he didn't, um, certainly didn't disgrace himself in there. But, uh, I mean, you know, when you consider where Joe's been and who Joe's fought, that's classes and classes above um, a guy like Jack Massey. And he just really should have got in there and delivered a bit of a statement performance when he's coming off probably the most disappointing loss of his career, albeit in an all-action fight against Joe Joyce. He probably had to come back and make a bit of a statement here and just show, hey, look, I still am a force to be reckoned with. And that certainly wasn't the case today. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, he'll take the win and move on. Um, I thought he started well. You know, he started with intent. He came out through those two uh, quick left hooks right at the beginning and Massey went back to the rope straight away and didn't seem to enjoy that. Uh, But Joe didn't you know, follow up on that, I would, I would have said, you know, there was a, a few straight rights that were uh, looked there for the taking um, to, to sort of hammer home the point, if you like. Uh, but uh, I don't know if he was worried about what Jack Massey could do, but he, I thought he could have done a bit more, particularly early. 
Yeah, there's potential that he is a little bit um, gun-shy, obviously, being stopped for the first time in his career in his last fight. Maybe uh, there's an element of that. I'd be I'd be surprised if that was too much of a factor, though, given he's been around the block a number of times now, Joe. Um, I think it was David Hay in the comments who noted that he may... Um, have assessed that Joe's foot speed certainly isn't as quick as it had been in the past, and I think that that's a fair assessment as well. He certainly isn't as fast as he has been, and that was the thing for a guy of his size. He did have um, good foot speed and really fast hand movement, and we maybe didn't see that as much today. Of course, obviously, Massey being a slightly smaller guy, he was always going to be a little bit quicker as well, but um, there certainly wasn't that explosive power there for Joe, and that's probably been, and if you're going to be really harsh, one of the knocks on him um, throughout his career that he hasn't had, and of course you're talking of some of the absolute elite of the elite, that uh, one-punch knockout power that Joe doesn't really have, and again, that wasn't on display today um, and there weren't any shots that really wobbled Massey, I mean, there were some great scoring punches in there, but nothing that truly wobbled him, I think there was one decent uppercut, uh, mm. may have been in the sixth um, that, that, that sort of slightly jarred him, you'd say, but certainly didn't wobble him. And again, when you've got a guy who's coming up from the division down and you've got that sort of size and power advantage, you want to be really making your presence felt there in the ring. And that, again, just wasn't the case. No, it wasn't, um, unfortunately for Joe. And yeah, I mean, I think he has become a different fighter. I mean, he he came into this fight, you know, he bulked up for the Joyce fight and he actually bolted down for this, if you like, if, if that's a term. I think he was 10 pound lighter for this fight than he was for the Joyce fight. Um, Andy Lee talked about, you know, it's a rebuild. Uh, what do you think it is that Andy Lee is trying to get Joe to do? Yeah, well, that's a good question, isn't it? Because I'm not sure if anybody knows. Um, I mean, this was an odd fight to take. I think that's one thing that's really clear. I mean, uh, while it's probably good to get him in there and rebuild a bit of confidence after the loss that he just had, I mean, this seemed a completely left-field fight to take. Um, while Joe lost to Joe Joyce, there's absolutely no shame in losing to Joe Joyce. Let's make that really clear. I mean, he is one of the... Uh, he's in the top five heavyweights in the world, so there's no, um, there's certainly no shame in that. But um, to then take this fight seemed to certainly a sideways step at the most generous you could call it. So, uh, look, uh, scheduling is always tricky in heavyweight boxing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, uh, obviously, it was done to uh, build his confidence back up. But then, as you say, yeah, with the weight fluctuating a little bit and all that sort of jazz, it does seem a little bit strange. Um, I mean, I know in the past, Joe's spoken about not wanting to box well into his 30s. And as we look now, Joe's 31, um, and he turns... Or he's just sorry, just recently turned 31, um, and you do wonder how many more years he wants to give himself doing it. Um, he's obviously made a bunch of money uh, throughout his career. The Joshua fight would have set him up in a great position. So you do wonder if he's um, if he views that maybe he has one more run, a couple more years, and you just wonder what that path looks like because at the moment, to me, it's a little bit unclear. Yeah, I mean, it felt like to me the Jack Massey fight was. Uh, I, I think it was Andy Lee said after the Joyce fight, we just want to get back in there and fight as soon as we can. So maybe they they were just looking for whatever option was out there so they could get him back in the ring, um, and, and maybe you know get a, get another W on on uh, in, in the record and and start to build again in the rankings. Um, so that would suggest to me that they are probably going to use this fight to then maybe get somebody like, give it, especially given they've got the deal with Sky, they, they'll want another British fighter. And I can't help but thinking that Dillian White's probably the right fight for, for Joe now. It's just whether or not White, uh, White wants the fight. 
Yeah, look, that's probably the level of profile that would be quite interesting for uh, for Joe as well. Um, but you're right whether Dillian White wants that fight. I mean, Dillian White um, is, is a big name. He's been in there with some of the absolute best as well. Uh, Dillian White is in a interesting spot too, where of course he's lost to Fury, um, he's lost to Joshua. It's pretty clear that he's out of that really top-end picture as well. So, yeah, there, there's certainly a case to be made for something like that. Um, and as I say, whether they can put that together or not remains to be seen. But, yeah, that is um, certainly a fight that you think would have a bit of appeal. Um, and, and, again, too, it would give Joe just a, or, you know, be a bit of a reminder for the public that Joe's still here and he's still able to attract those big names. And then, of course, Dylan White's an action fighter. And that's one of the other things where, again, if we're been a bit critical of uh, Joe Parker and his career. There's been some fights that certainly haven't been um, incredibly compelling to watch. So uh, Dillian White pushes the pace. He comes to fight. So there's a lot of potential there at a bit of an all-action type fight. Yeah, and I think Joe owes him one, doesn't he? Because I know Dillian White won the the, the fight that they have had, but it, uh, it certainly felt like that could have gone Joe's way, particularly if you take the the head clash that was ruled as a knockdown out of the fight. Yeah, and of course, I mean, it's so hard to know uh, how much of an impact that had on the fight. Um, it's one of those classic ones where Dillian White's camp would say it made no difference, and then Parker's camp might say it completely changed the course of the fight. Um, of course, you'll remember late in the fight, Joe had Dillian White in trouble. Um, it was a close fight, and again, a really exciting fight, an all-action fight that people look back and just go, man, that was really entertaining to watch. So, yep, there's no denying that that one is an easy one to make. There's certainly a bit of history there, and they can build that one up for sure. And um, as you say, that British, the British boxing scene, as we saw with the... Um, interest in the Smith Eubank Junior main event and the card today, the British boxing interest is really high. So um, to be on a big card over there would be quite entertaining for Joe as well. Yeah, indeed. All right, we'll have to see where that goes, mate. Of course, uh, it's not the end of the combat sports for today because uh, there's a big UFC card as well, UFC 283. It's in Brazil. And uh, yeah, the, as you'd imagine, being in Brazil, uh, the card is full of Brazilian fighters. Uh, headlined by Glover Teixeira, who at 78 years of age, or however old he is, uh, is going for the light heavyweight title against Jamal Hill. Um, this feels like a a setup for a if he gets a if he gets a win he goes out on top and probably retires at home in front of the fans. Well, yeah, as you touched on, uh, Glover, inspiration for all of us, isn't he? Fighting on at forty three years of age and still looks great to him. And let's not remember, well, sorry, let's not forget his most recent fight against uh, Yuri Prozhaka was probably the fight of the year of 2022. I mean, that was just an absolutely outstanding fight. Um, but, of course, with Yuri now being injured, uh, vacating the light heavyweight title, then, of course, Jan Blachowicz and uh, Magomedov fought to the draw recently, leaves the title vacant. Uh, it's just the most bizarre situation, isn't it, that we find ourselves in now where two fresh fighters have now been plucked to fight for this vacant light heavyweight title. And then, as you say, Glover Teixeira, the first card back in Brazil post-pandemic, if he is to win, that might be his uh, swan song. And then they're left with a still vacant light heavyweight title if he was to win today and was to retire. There's a couple of huge ifs 
of course, in there. But wouldn't that just make for another crazy chapter in the storied history of the UFC light heavyweight title? But uh, look, today's no picnic. Uh, Jamal Hill has been on an absolute tear. His last three wins have come by KO, I'm pretty sure, and in emphatic fashion as well. Uh, he comes in and just wants to absolutely destroy people. So, um, you know, Tiago Santos, Johnny Walker, Jimmy Crute, all finishes, uh, two performance of the night bonuses, a fight of the night bonus for Thiago Santos. So, I mean, that's a real impressive um, CV to be bringing into this fight. So this is going to be an exciting fight. I mean, Glover, for the age and stage of his career, it's just amazing the amount of um, battles that he's been in. He's an absolute warrior and as tough as they come. So uh, really looking forward to this main event. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, as you say, you know, you look at all the stats, they favour Jamal Hill. He's, he's younger. He's longer, he's taller, he's lighter, uh, he's got everything going for him. But Glover has a Brazilian audience in Rio, and he has all that 43 years of experience. Uh, if he can tie Hill up and get him to the deck, uh, I think anything's possible. Yeah, for sure. Look, I mean, uh, Glover's experience with that ground game is obviously far and away better than Hill's. I mean, Hill's a stand-up fighter, of course, never won a fight by submission in his uh, mixed martial arts career. So he's going to likely want to keep it on the feet. But, I mean, with his power and the way that he can throw um, his punches and kicks, why wouldn't you too? So uh, you might argue that Glover has a few more different ways to win, but what Jamal's going to bring is going to be incredibly dangerous. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this one. And uh, as you say, that crowd is going to be on another level today. I mean, they're loud and in Brazil, as we all know, if you've ever seen one of those fight cards. Um, so this is going to be a crazy atmosphere that Jamal Hill's walking into. It will be. It will be. Uh, what about uh, Brandon Moreno? Uh, he he is a great fighter, but he is again walking into the lion's den, uh, fighting another Brazilian and Deverson Figueiredo. How do you think this one plays out? Yeah, incredible story to this one, isn't it? For the first time that we've ever seen in um, two fighters in the UFC fight four times, and to think that. For Davison Figueredo, it's the same opponent four consecutive times as well. So, um, I mean, these guys arguably you could see them go again, which would just be absolutely crazy to think because they're just so close. Of course, their first fight was a draw. Moreno then won the second match. Um, Davison took the previous one. Uh, look, I, I think. Davison's power is incredibly impressive. I know um, Brandon Moreno has never been stopped by strikes, but Davison's power for a guy of his size is a huge, huge worry. Um, these two guys are just going to go at it. This is going to be all action. I mean, this has fight of the night written all over it with these two because their previous fights have just been so crazy. It's a blink and miss it type thing with these guys. Um, Look, I, I have a foot in each camp on this one. Um, love Moreno's backstory, his history. Of course, he was on The Ultimate Fighter many years ago, which uh, Kaikara France was on, the Kiwi fighter. Mm. And uh, he was the last guy picked of the 16 fighters that they had. So, I mean, he's a great little underdog story. Um, and then, of course, was a champion for a period. Um, I just sort of think that Davison may have a little bit much here, um, would probably be my lean. But again, this is an incredibly close fight. I mean, when guys have fought to draws prior and um, had it as close as they had, I and mean, their previous one obviously was three rounds to two as well. So, you know, this is going to be a close fight, and I just think that um, yeah, Davidson may have a touch more. Yeah, it's interesting you said that about Kaikara France because I remember uh, not at, at Tough, but at, uh, I think it was a fight 
night in Melbourne where uh, Kaikara France and Moreno fought. And it, for all money, it looked like Kaikara France was going to win that fight. He had Moreno, it looked like in all sorts of trouble with strikes. But Moreno toughed it out and he ended up submitting Kai. Oh, look, he, he is as tough as they come, uh, Brandon Moreno. He is just an absolute savage. So he's going to go in there and put on a great performance. And as I say, um, 28 mixed martial arts fights, never been finished by strikes, never been submitted either. So he's only been defeated six times in his career. All of those losses have come by decision. Um, he is incredibly tough. So, yeah, looking, looking forward to seeing this one and, uh, and what shakes out. Now, there's a few other fights that we could go through here, but I mean, what of the of the other main card fights stands out to you as the one to watch? Oh, look, I think, um, I mean, from a nostalgia perspective, uh, Shogun, Mauricio Shogun Hood is going to be going around for the last time. I'm pretty sure he said it is his retirement fight, isn't it? So uh, he's up against uh, Ihor Poshera. I really hope I've said that or pronounced that correctly. Um, so a bit in the glove of Tashira mold, uh, Shogun Hood is 41. Can remember watching him many years ago um, on a fight card in Brisbane when he defeated James Tahuna, and you could hear a pin drop in that arena after that knockout. Him, and he's just been in some absolutely crazy fights. Um, if you haven't ever seen it, watch his first one back against Dan Henderson. That is an all-timer. Um, so it'd be interesting to watch him go round. And then, of course, Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny, which is on the pay-per-view card, welterweight fight. That's some really high-end welterweights that we're going to watch go round. Um, two exciting fighters, and uh, yeah. Incredibly excited about that one. Yeah, no, there's a, a whole bunch of uh, great fights on the card. And before we let you go, Daniel, a um, couple of things. Uh, John Bones Jones, are you happy to see him back uh, in the UFC? Well, for the uh, sport of mixed martial arts, it's good to see. Um, there's no denying that John's personal life and the things that he's struggled with away from the cage um, I wouldn't say Tara's legacy, but certainly make things a little bit opaque when you look at him and what he's been through. But if he's in a place now where he's able to hold himself well outside of the cage and be a more upstanding citizen, then I think that's good for everyone because he's just obviously one of the greatest fighters to ever have gone in there and do it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes at heavyweight. He's spent years building his body up and he's got himself in tremendous shape of his Instagram and uh, social media photos or anything to go by. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he goes up in that bigger weight class yeah uh, uh, not only going up the weight class but also being inactive for so long too how, how do you think that's going to impact him well look Dominic Cruz is famous for saying that he just doesn't believe in ring rust um, and then there are other guys who come from the other end of the spectrum where um, they think it's a huge factor so who knows look I mean when you're at that absolute peak of your performance um, you'd have to think that a guy like him probably will just be able to come in and find a way maybe just to um, have done some harder sparring in the lead up or uh, put himself I guess through a bit more of a rigorous, rigorous training program uh, nothing will be able to replicate the feeling of being um, under those bright lights with the crowd going but uh, from a physical perspective he'll certainly be able to put himself through the ringer in the lead up so yeah that will um, that will certainly be a bit of a challenge for him though Yeah yeah, it will be uh, I mean of course the reason that this is um, a vacant heavyweight title is because Francis Ngannou didn't agree to a deal with the UFC. Basically, uh, came out, didn't paint the UFC in great light, did it with what Francis Ngannou said he asked for. He said, I didn't want all of these things. I would have taken two and I got none. And then the things that he asked for, some of them seem pretty reasonable. Oh, look, I think it's an incredibly disappointing um, way that that all shook out and a huge indictment on how poorly the UFC treats some of its fighters. I mean, if you can't market and make the money required 
to then pay Francis Ngannou what he's worth and something seriously wrong with what you're doing as a business. I mean, the guy is an absolute killer. He's just the, the dream sort of physique, his backstory, all the crazy things about him. And if you can't make, market him to then make him an absolute global superstar, to then generate the revenue that would have then uh, kept him happy and been able to fund some, some of those other things that he wanted in his contract, I think there's just really something wrong there. So um, amazing that he stuck to his guns and then just said, fine, I'll vacate the title. Uh, that's that's quite impressive as well. So, um, look, just a really disappointing outcome because, as sadly is the case so often in uh, fight sports, it's the fans that suffer the most uh, because they're the people that are going to be expected to pay the money and pay for pay-per-views and keep these things rolling. And now they're not going to be able to watch. The consensus best mixed martial arts heavyweight fighter in the world. I mean, let's be clear on that. He is the best in the world, and we're not going to be able to watch him fight um, in, in the interim anyway or in the short term. Um, and he's not going to fight in the UFC. And, look, I'll be um, happy to be proven wrong on this one, but the concept of him boxing at an incredibly high level just doesn't greatly fill me with confidence. We haven't seen a lot of those UFC fighters transfer to boxing with any notable success. So um, to think that he could then just go and box at an incredibly high level would be quite a surprise to me if he could pull that off. Well, I was going to say to you, what what money would you give me on a Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou fight sometime in 2023? Because that seems like the sort of money spinner that they uh, that Tyson might come up with. Oh look, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't say it's an impossible thing that we could uh, see happen. And I think there might have even been a quote this morning where he said that if um, Usyk won't sign the contract, there's a possibility that he boxes Francis and Garnu. So I mean, look, an incredible marketing. Um, opportunity there, but gee, you'd have Tyson Fury as a very heavy, heavy favourite in a straight boxing match between those two. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Alright, good stuff, Daniel. Thanks for coming on, mate. I won't keep you from the fights any longer. Really appreciate your time, mate. Enjoy the rest of the card. No worries, Ricardo. Nice to have a chat and all the best. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, always good to catch up with Daniel Richardson and talk fight sports. Uh, I can tell you that the Wellington Phoenix have scored again uh, just a couple of minutes after kickoff, and um, that is 3-0 now. The Wellington Phoenix women's team lead Canberra United. And uh, that is uh, quite incredible, particularly given how the season has gone for them so far. If uh, they uh, cont- continue to hold this lead, uh, that'll be their first win of the season. So 3-0 currently it stands for the Wellington Phoenix women uh, over Canberra United, who last week, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. They they beat somebody five one. So they're no mugs themselves, Canberra. They're one of the uh, one of the teams to beat running around at the moment uh, in the women's A League. Uh, so the score is for the Phoenix. If you've missed it so far, we had uh, Millie Clegg in the 42nd minute, uh, Betsy Hassett just before half time, and then Ava Pritchard just a minute after half time. Uh, so three nil to the Wellington Phoenix women's team and uh, they're 50 minutes in to that game. We have one of the cup semi-finals from the sevens on at the moment as well. Australia women play the USA women. That's one versus three. Uh, just five minutes uh, to go in the first half of that one and a yellow card has been given to I think uh, one of the US players. Uh, so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out for the US. I'll have to try and hold on against uh, the ranked, uh, the number one ranked team at the moment. We'll keep you up to date with that score. Still 27-17 as well to Kansas City over Jacksonville in the fourth quarter of the divisional playoffs in the NFL. It is 123 here on SENZ. 
It's one twenty-eight here on SENZ. It is uh, Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball. Text has come through on double eight double three, saying, "Did the boys get paid? Make any money yesterday?" The answer is no, and I know that because I invested. I gave them some of my money, uh, and then you get a dividend back, um, and I got half the money back that I gave them. So that tells you how well they went yesterday. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out at Caraca for Boys Get Paid, or for me, for that matter, or a few other people too, on picking. Uh, feel free to get your thoughts through to us on double eight double three uh, in terms of what you uh, have questions you've got, points you want to make, uh, or you can call us. The phone lines are open 0800 150 I can tell you the US uh, lead Australia 10-7 at half time. This is the women's teams in the Cup semi-finals at the Sevens in Hamilton. So 10-7 US up over Australia in a tight one. I can tell you it's also still 3-0 the Phoenix over Canberra United in the A-League uh, in the in the from the women's side of things, they're uh, going very well there for the Phoenix so far today. With uh, half an hour or so left in that game, and just uh, making a couple of changes now, the Phoenix to rest some legs in that game. And the Kansas City Chiefs are up 27-17 over Jacksonville uh, in the NFL. Just about done that game. Only a minute left on the clock, so uh, Kansas City should sh- uh, see that one out and move through to the divisional playoff final. Um, will probably be well be either the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals. That game is tomorrow. There is a game later today as well. We'll get to that a bit later on because also the Australian Open is on at the moment and Andy Murray's been getting plenty of press. He's uh, made a a great fist of things so far at the Open. He really has. Uh, First two games both went to five sets. Midnight finishes, the whole deal. Uh, He really toughed it out and, and did really, really well. But uh, today, or yesterday I should say, was a, a step too far. Last night he bowed out to Roberto Bautista Agu uh, in four sets and this is what Andy Murray had to say afterwards. Yeah, the crowd were amazing. Um, in all the matches really. Um, I mean, they always are here. You know, they give great support to the players. Um, I think Aussie sports fans in general love, I mean... Yeah, they love it when the athletes that they're watching give 100%. Um, and I certainly did that the last few days, and they responded to that and gave amazing support. I played three in three amazing atmospheres, and I'm very thankful to them for, um, for that. Great memories. I mean, it's it's impossible to say, really. Um, it's impossible to say how much. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't help. Um, I mean, I, I slept from six until nine uh, the night. I played, or the the morning that I played the match with with Kalkinakis, um which obviously isn't uh, <laughs> isn't enough. Um, and then I had to come in here uh, at about seven or eight blisters um, that I had to have like drained, and then they put this sort of liquid in to dry it. So I had to come in and do that in the morning to give that time to settle um and then i went back to the hotel slept for a few hours and then hit for like 15 minutes yesterday and yeah just 
you know, the ice baths and saw my physio and, um, yeah, actually, I mean, my feet didn't feel great. Um, my legs were actually okay. Um, you know, they, they weren't too bad, but I was struggling with, uh, with my, my lower back, um, and that was affecting my serve, uh, and that that was really the the main the main thing that I was struggling with uh, today. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, how do I feel right now? Um, yeah, I mean, lots of yeah mixed emotions. I mean, I feel like I gave everything that I had to this event, um, so I'm proud of that, and that is really in whatever you're doing, that's all you can do. You can't always control, like, you can't always control the outcome. You can't control how well you're going to play, or you know the result. Um, but you know you can control um, the, the the effort that you put into it. And I gave everything that I had the last the last three matches. So I'm very you know I'm very proud of of that. Um, but yeah, I'm also I'm also disappointed because I put you know loads of work into the beginning of this year and you know was playing well enough to you know to have a a really good run and have a deep run and I think you know even tonight you know I'm competing against you know a guy 20 in the world you know and it's you know still very tight you know considering the circumstances so I feel like yeah I'm I'm disappointed because I feel like I could have I could have gone quite a bit further. There you go. That is Andy Murray speaking um, after going out of the Australian Open in the third round. I can tell you, Kansas City have uh, sealed that game against Jacksonville twenty-seven twenty. So they go through uh, to face the winner of the Bills Bengals game that is tomorrow. Still ten seven. The USA lead Australia with three minutes left in that one in the Cup semi-final at the Wellington Sevens. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix have given away a penalty. Sixty-three minutes on the clock. And uh, Brianna Edwards has saved it. So well done to her. She has saved that penalty from the spot. So the Phoenix still lead Canberra by three goals to nil. Also at the Australian Open, Novak Djokovic yesterday beat uh, Gregor Dimitrov 7-6-6-3-6-4, setting up a meeting in the fourth round with Alex Dimonor, the Australian who himself won in straight sets uh, to get there. And uh, that will be interesting because Djokovic, Certainly has split the crowd in Australia. The other day, there were a bunch of guys dressed as Where's Wally, uh, basically just giving him stick the whole game. Uh, he complained so much, he had them kicked out. Um, so I think there's probably going to be split loyalties in the Australian crowd over that. But uh, this is what uh, Novak Djokovic had to say post-match. Well, I think it was as important as uh, any, other, any other game, but I think that probably was uh, the... Uh, one of the most important moments in the match, you know, to prevail in the tiebreak and get <clears throat> get ahead, uh, set ahead. Obviously, being set down or set up is, is a big difference, I think, mentally as well and physically. 
Um, yeah, very close first set. I think I started the match really well, feeling good. You know, kind of went uh, up and down, feeling physically with my with my leg, but uh, just found a way, I guess, to win in in such a uh, exciting match and big battle over three hours for three sets. You know, uh, if I lost one of these sets, you know, we could have gone we could have gone really the distance, and God knows, how, you know, how long we already had some. Matches over five hours during this tournament, so this this looked to be another one. Um, so I'm just really very really fortunate to uh, to get through in the straight sets. Do, do you do you support the idea of maybe looking at the schedule? And if so, do you think the organisers will ever listen to players, or do you think it's you know do you think things will ever change? Well, I think that you know players' input is always important. I think for tournament organisation, <clears throat> whether it's decisive, uh, we know that it's not uh, because it comes down to what the TV broadcasters want to have. So that's that's the ultimate decision maker, um, and I would agree with his points. I think you know we have days when the day sessions go um, go longer, but probably more days statistically, in average, uh, where they 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 finish, say five, six max, and and you can start night session an hour earlier at least. So. I, I I agree with him. You know, I think um, for us players, obviously, I know it's for the crowd is entertaining, is exciting, have matches midnight, one, two, three a.m. But you know, uh, f for us, it's 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 really grueling. And um, um, even if you go through and win, prevailing these kind of matches, you still have to come back. Uh, you have your sleeping cycle rhythm disrupted completely not not enough time really to recover for another five setter and so yeah so some, something needs to be addressed i guess in terms of schedule after what we're seeing this year there you go so that is uh, Novak Djokovic uh, talking uh, about uh, his take on where the tournament is at the moment and of course uh, how that impacts on the players as well uh, we have live games going on at the moment in the men's and women's doubles I can tell you that Erin uh, Routliff our uh, Kiwi women's doubles player has been ranked 30 in the world went out in the first round her and her partner unfortunately out in the first round and not much better uh, for Jamie Murray and Michael Venus, who went out in the second round. They were the 11th seeds for that as well. Coming up later today, Sebastian Korda, who knocked out Daniel Medvedev, is in action. Uh, so a couple of big games come up. Karen Kachinov also and uh, uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, who must be considered one of the favourites going forward from here. Also Igus Fiatek in about an hour's time, uh, the women's number one and looking pretty good. So all of that and more to come today from the Australian Open. It is 20 away from two o'clock. 
It is 17 away from 2 o'clock here on SENZ. So the USA have knocked out Australia in the semi-finals 10-7. It was a score of second half. Uh, this is the Sevens World Series I'm talking in Hamilton. And now New Zealand are playing Ireland. Uh, the Black Ferns team are playing Ireland. They are five zip up. They have just scored and are kicking off just a couple of minutes gone in that second semi-final. The Phoenix women's team up 3-0 over Canberra still with uh, less than 20 minutes to play in that one now. Wasn't such good news. For the Black Caps last night, uh, they played India and uh, decided, uh, well, India won the toss, decided they were going to have a bowl, and it turned out to be the right thing to do. Mohamed Sami taking three for 18 off six overs. Uh, New Zealand didn't bat out their 50, only got to 34 and a half. Uh, this is a scorecard. Finn Allen out for a duck. Devin Conway out for seven. Henry Nichols out for two off 20 balls. Daryl Mitchell out for one. Tom Latham out for one. Then Glenn Phillips, 36. Michael Bracewell, 22. Mitchell Santner, 27. Henry Shipley was not out too. Lockie Ferguson scored one. And Blair Tickner scored two. New Zealand all out for 108. Uh, the Indians uh, knocked the runs off in the 21st over uh, with a loss of just two wickets. Here is what Captain Tom Latham had to say post-match. Yeah, they obviously bowled fantastically well. Um, yeah, I think, as you said, they they were pretty relentless on the lines and lengths that they bowled, and um, and they didn't give us any easy scoring options. And um, and then obviously to be five down, uh, you know, reasonably early on. Uh, I think just after the, or the tenth or eleventh over, um, yeah, it was obviously hard, hard to come back from there. Um, we obviously threatened with a, a couple of little partnerships, but um, yeah, when you get get bowled out for for just over a hundred, obviously makes things uh, pretty difficult. So. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it was just one of those days where um, you know everything that India did turned um, turned you know their way, and, and and that's the game of cricket we play. So um, yeah, fingers crossed that we can we can turn things around next game. And, and Mitch also said that the pitch was under obviously. So like some balls are seeming and some balls are stopping. Also, uh, what was it going through the minds of yourself and your batters? Uh, I think it was just trying to build partnerships. Really, I think um, you know that's something we pride ourselves on as a batting unit. Is as you know, building partnerships throughout the innings. Obviously, at the top, we weren't able to do that. But um, you know, Mitch and um, and well, Mike Braces and Glenn Phillips managed to build a little partnership, and then and then Glenn and well, then Glenn and um, and and Satner, um, you know, did, did the same. But um, yeah, as I said, um, when you bowled out for a, for a hundred, then yeah, it's obviously yeah tough to come back from there. Right, we'll come over here and here. How can you say today's performance? What's that, sorry? What do you want to say about today's performance? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much just what I said, really. Um, yeah, for, for us, it's all always been about trying to build partnerships, um, you know, throughout innings, and and obviously we weren't able to do that. I think, um, you know, India put us un, under a lot of pressure, uh, and we and we weren't able to overcome that, unfortunately. And. And as I said, it's just one of those days where, um, you know, things just don't, don't quite, um, you know, turn around. You, you aren't able to absorb that pressure and, uh, you know, wickets just keep falling. But, um, you yeah, know, it's important we've got another opportunity next game. And, and for us, it's about trying to trust our, our, our plans and our processes as a batting unit. And, and if we do that, then we'll put some, put some good scores on the board. Yeah. How well experienced are you in that position? What's that? 
Yes, it was uh, obviously a fantastic, uh, a fantastic round. Uh, obviously, being the first international game here uh, is, is very special for Raipur, and um, obviously we saw the crowd, and they obviously loved uh, every minute of it. And unfortunately, we weren't able to put um, a good show on, but um, yeah, I'm sure Raipur will get plenty more games in the future. Down the back, you're in the green. You had a question. Yeah, I think any time that um, you know Siraj and, and Shami are, are in the side, they're obviously two, two quality bowlers, and and as I said, they were both relentless in terms of the lines and lengths length that they bowled, and, and they, they gave us nothing to score from. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was well, fortunately for them, it was their day. Unfortunately for us, uh, you know, we weren't able to absorb enough pressure and, they, and then put that back on them. One more, yeah. I think you know everyone has their their plans and, and the approach that they like to go with. Uh, obviously, Braces he's a he's an attacking player. I think when he plays at his best, he's he's, he's taking the game on. And, and for him, he obviously thought that was the best option in terms of how, how to play. And I thought the the way he came out, the intent he showed, uh, you know, was outstanding. And um, see, for us, I'm sure he would have liked to, to go for a little bit longer. But um, yeah, as I said, every, everyone's got their own plans and approaches that they like to like to play with. And and for us, just trying to adapt to, to conditions as quick as possible. And, and I think tonight we're probably a little bit slow to, I guess, to adapt to the surface that we were faced with. And, um, you know, as I said, we've got another opportunity uh, in a couple of days' time, and hopefully we can adapt as quick as possible. Yeah, they want a better performance uh, than that, obviously, particularly after how close uh, they ran things in the first ODI, but uh, can't win the series now, down two zips, so it'll be interesting to see if they try a few things differently uh, in the last game. But just got half-time in the Women's Cup semi-final at the Sevens in Hamilton, and the Blackfern Sevens team lead Ireland 12-0. Uh, if they get through this, they will meet the US uh, in the final, um, because the US have beaten Australia by 10 to 7. Still, uh, the Phoenix women lead Canberra United 3 0. 12 minutes left in that one. It is 10 away from 2. It's five away from two here on SCNZ. Uh, the Blackfern Sevens team have scored again. They lead Ireland 17-0 now. Just under five minutes left in that semi-final. Uh, they will meet the US in the final if they hold on to this lead. And I can tell you that the Wellington Phoenix women's team are having a great day out at Sky Stadium. Uh, we are in, within the last 10 minutes of the game and uh, they've scored again to go up 4-0. Uh, I think it was Betsy Hassett that scored, which would be her second uh, goal of the game. And uh, yeah, it is Betsy Hassett that scored. So 4-0, the Phoenix women's team. Great win for them over Canberra and United, who... uh had a win 5-1, I think, over Sydney last week. So uh, no mugs at all. Speaking of the Wellington Phoenix, the men's team uh, playing this afternoon. There is live commentary right here on SENZ from 3 o'clock. Uh, that will be David Choate, former All-White, and Daniel McCarty with the call. Well, David Choate is going to join us uh, shortly, and we're going to preview that game 
between the Phoenix men's team and the Central Coast Mariners and have a look at some of the EPL action as well. We will also catch up with our very own Kirst Stanway who is at the Hamilton Sevens and get her take on what's been going on on the last day of the uh, Sevens leg in New Zealand for the foreseeable future. All of that and more to come between now and 2.30. You're on SENZ, it is Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball and are a couple of minutes away from the end of the game at uh, Sky Stadium between the Wellington Phoenix uh, Liberty A-League team and Canberra United and Wellington Phoenix are 5-0 to the good. David Choate, our former All-White, is with us. He's part of our commentary call team. We're going to call the men's team against Central Coast at 3 o'clock. Uh, Choate, this is a, a great turn-up for Natalie Lawrence and her side. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, they've struggled to get goals all season. They've been uh, really sort of uh, cellar dwellers for the for the bulk of it. But five goals today, sitting in stadium watching them score goals freely, not a common sight if you're a Wellington Phoenix women's fan. But they've got five against Canberra. I think they had three all season up till today. So they've uh, done their goal difference wonders. Yeah, they have done, mate. They have done it a bit of a, maybe a bit of a master stroke one I didn't see coming. She's so often the engine room in front of the defence, but uh, Betsy Hassett's been employed up front and scored two. Yeah, it's, um, it is a changed lineup, and they've, obviously we've had international women's football during the week, so there's been games of plenty. But gee, they've looked fresh, and uh, they've put this Canberra side to the sword. Yeah, they have. Uh, it's it's been fantastic, mate. I mean, uh, we we hope the men can uh, can give us a, a double dose. Uh, of course, uh, they kick off at three o'clock. I've seen the starting eleven here. We've got Ollie Sale in goal, Tim Payne and Josh Laws, uh, uh, the centre backs, uh, Callan Elliott and uh, Maragas are the fullbacks. Uh, Alex Rufa, Clayton Lewis in midfield with Crave and David Ball, Barbarossas and Zavada. Uh, it's probably the strongest lineup they can they can put out there, minus Scott Wooten. Yeah, it is. Other than Wooden, who's out for a couple of weeks, we believe uh, this is a strong lineup. Steven Ugarkovic might consider himself to be in the in the best eleven, but that's not how Ufuk Tale sees it. And with Kryev back in today, having served that one match suspension, they've got all their sort of their big guns available, so to speak. Other than Wooden against the Central Coast Mariners side, that'll prove a, a pretty handy test for them. Uh, they sit above them in the A League, and uh, we've been together once before here. Two all was the score, but on that day, I thought. Central Coast and as has been proven went on to become sort of the better side in the A-League year to date so this will be a good uh, benchmark test for Ufuk Tele's Wellington Phoenix Yeah it will be, what do you think it is that Nick Montgomery is doing at Central Coast that's working so well because you know they have probably the smallest budget in the league but uh, they are, he's really getting a tune out of the squad Yeah he is, he's getting uh, the best out of uh, a squad that doesn't look um, outstanding. I think up front they've had good variation. Tulio, a little dribble, that always makes a difference for them. So he's a, he's a good player to watch. But as you run through the names, Storm Rue, the uh, all-white plays for them. Uh, Bukovic and goal, we know plenty about him. Brian Kaltek, he got around the local leagues here in New Zealand before getting his first A-league start with Central Coast. So he gets the best out of his players. A bit like Ufuk Tele, seems to get the best out of whatever side he dishes up. So that's why I see this such a good test for the uh, the Wellington Phoenix today. Yeah, I mean, as I've said, you know, like what you see on paper with Central Coast is not what you get on the field. So, uh, and, and Central Coast, have, like I think it was last season, really gave the Phoenix a, a lot of problems. How do you think Ufuk Tale um, gets the best out of this team and, and we can get three points here? 
Well, I think the, the problem for the Phoenix in the full, sort of first uh, stanza of the league, if you like, was their defensive displays. They were conceding too many goals. The last couple, they've gone uh, clean sheet, clean sheet. So I think that will be the key to them again today. I don't expect Talley to throw caution to the wind. I think he'll continue to build a side that becomes hard to beat. And uh, with the likes of uh, Krajev and Zalata getting amongst the goals, sharing five apiece at this stage, he's probably going to back himself to get a goal. So I think it'll be a disciplined looking start for the Phoenix. They'll try and just be tight and play their football. Both of these sides will try and play decent football, so it should be a game that's relatively easy on the eye. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to it. Uh, Chody, should uh, what I've got you ask you, because you're going to be sitting next to Daniel McCarty. Your two teams uh, in the EPL clashed overnight, Liverpool (laughs) and Chelsea. Uh, A great mid-table battle, ninth versus tenth. Uh, Finished nil all. What did you make of that? Oh, look, I watched it, and uh, I think in commentary they were saying it's two sides that look like they're playing ninth and tenth. There wasn't a hell of a lot of quality on show. I thought Chelsea were probably the better of the two, definitely in the first half, um, but it's two sides that are out of sorts. Chelsea spending all sorts of dough to change their roster, and and to be fair, both sides have an injury list as long as your arm. But they definitely look like two sides that would be battling to hit top four in Champions League football. And that's both of those clubs' ambition. Liverpool and Chelsea out of the Champions League would be a, a huge upset. If you'd said that at the beginning of the season, you would have got good odds for it. But on that display, neither side looked like they're sort of in the middle of a comeback or a renaissance. They were both sort of as, as good or as bad as each other. Yeah, it was a result that did no favours for either of them. Um, I've got to say, you know, it almost looked like a game that Klopp didn't want to lose rather than a game he tried to win. Some of the changes that yeah, he made. Yeah, at Anfield. Yeah, look, at Anfield as well, it just wasn't a Liverpool sort of like performance. Um, I think I read in one of the pieces afterwards, it was like a bit of a graveyard in terms of atmosphere. At the end of the game, uh, you could have heard a pin drop. It was silence all around. I think they all love Klopp as a manager. I think Liverpool really do like Jurgen Klopp as a manager, but he's just in a in the doldrums, if you like. Almost has to refresh the squad, I think, if he's going to sort of, sort of capture the imagination again of uh, those Liverpool fans, because... It should be a cauldron. It should be a place that uh, teams come and fear. Uh, but if anything, it was a conservative-looking display from a Liverpool side that, as you say, might have been trying not to lose. Yeah, I mean, that, it looks like a squad that's all got old at the same time. Uh, you know, and I, and I know they, they let uh, Sadio Mane go in the off-season, but I, I, with the performances we've seen from him, I'm starting to wonder if they let the wrong player go. Yeah, I, look, I thought that at the time. I think Mane is a fabulous player, and uh, they didn't seem too bothered about losing him. I mean, Mo Salah has been their sort of go-to, but I think Sade Mane was every bit as good as Mo Salah. Salah's gone into a bit of a, a hole, so to speak, in terms of the goals. Um, they just haven't replaced him. They just don't look a side that has the, the front three that they've had in the past. And the midfielders, I think, where they're ageing. I think the midfield needs a refresh. Although they had the young boy, and I've just lost his name, uh, playing middle of the park today, who they do have big raps on. But it looks like a side to me, Liverpool, that needs probably three or four players. Tell you what, Chelsea could probably give them a couple because they've signed everybody and anybody, to be fair. So uh, Liverpool fans, I think, will be a bit flat. Um, Chelsea fans will be saying it's a rebuilding season. Um, but you don't get long in the Premier League to rebuild, so Graham Potter will try and turn his side around in the back half of the season. Remember, we're only halfway in the Premier League. Um, given the World Cup break. So there's plenty of time, plenty of games for teams to go on a run. 
Yeah, that is true. Uh, the, the concerning thing, if you're uh, Chelsea, though, is I think Todd Bowley has spent, since he's bought the club, something like 440 or £450 million pounds on players. If you miss out yeah. on the Champions League, uh, financial fair play could bite you in the bum, couldn't it? Yeah, oh, look, I, I'm not sure what he's thinking. It seems to be signing players on big contracts for long-term deals. Um, so how they man, uh, manufacture, uh, if they fall out at, of that top four, um, how they manufacture um, a team without breaking those fair play rules, I just don't know how that's going to work for them. But uh, I've been telling them we've got Ted Lasso in charge. We've got sort of the American <laughs> owner who wants to spend uh, big time. He's, uh, he's just buying everybody. Although, look, uh, the two young guys, Felix, who got sent off in his first game, and Mudrick today, definitely look like they'll bring something special to the Premier League. So maybe there's a couple of winners in there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'll tell you, it was a big winner, uh, and he needed one. David Moyes, 2-0 for West Ham over Everton. Um, as good a winner as it was for him, surely Frank Lampard's a dead man walking now. Yeah, I look, um, they, they're all calling for the sacking of the board, but I suspect it might be the coach that goes before the board at Everton. The fans are unhappy. Their run of results have been uh, terrible. You put this down as a must-win, sort of, for them. David Moyes, the same. He was under all sorts of pressure. A couple of goals to them. They were a couple of goals to the good and then probably sat in the second half. I had a, an eye on that one as well. West Ham, definitely good for the win. Everton, just not sure when the win, next win's coming. But Frank Lampard could well be uh, searching for a new job. Um, it wouldn't surprise you at all to see them make the change because they now sit firmly in the relegation battle with West Ham getting themselves just above it for the time being. Yeah, and just before I let you go, Chody, tomorrow uh, morning at 5.30, first versus fourth, Arsenal versus Manchester United. How do you see that playing out? Well, I would have said Arsenal a few weeks ago because I think Arsenal have been um, so good for their first position and, and, and they really are real contenders, you'd have to say, for the uh, Premier League title. But Man United have got themselves on a nice run. It just seems like Ten Hag has sort of got past the Ronaldo fiasco. He's come back from the World Cup and their side is humming along nicely. So I think it's finally in the balance. Uh, man, what a Man City, five points back, are they about mm. that? I think from, yep. uh, from from top spot. In some ways, a draw here would be a great result all round just to keep everyone in the mix. Because you'd have to say now, and I, I don't know that many people believe it, but I think Man United are back with a title tilt as well. So... Maybe it's gone from a two-horse race to a three-horse race. Yeah, we'll have to see, mate. All right, Chody, have a great call with McCarty, the Savo, mate, and uh, we'll look forward to tuning in at 2.30 for it. Yeah, looking forward to it. That game's just wrapped up, guys. 5-0, that's a fantastic result for the Phoenix women's side. Yeah, massive result, massive result for Natalie Lawrence and the team. Uh, thanks very much again, Chody. Uh, from 2.30, you can catch the commentary of uh, the A-League men's team uh, from the Wellington Phoenix up against the Central Coast. Uh, it is 11 past two. When we come back, we're heading to Hamilton to catch up with Kirst Stanway and get the latest from the Sevens. Yeah, the uh, Irish are leading South Africa 14-7 to at the moment in the uh, fifth-place semi-final at the Hamilton Sevens, and that's where we head now uh, to our very own Kirst Stanway. G'day, Kirst, how you doing? Hello, Ricardo. How are you? Nice to hear a friendly voice again. Yeah, mate. No, good, to, good to have you on. How, how is Hamilton? Uh, looks like it's a magic day down there. Well, it's been absolutely roaring for the last two days. You know what Hamilton does when there's an event down here. Um, it's so, so cool to be back and to have the seven back after not being um, on the New Zealand circuit for the last couple of years due to COVID. But it's actually a little bit overcast and it rained uh, during one of the, the Women's Cup semi-finals 
we're looking good at the moment. We don't want the rain because we don't want that slippery ball. And we've seen amazing sevens across the last day and a half, and we want that to continue. But you would have been following it closely today. There have been some major upsets. Uh, in the women, we've just seen New Zealand uh, go through and they take on USA in the final. USA beat Australia in the Cup semi-final. That was massive for the US. Uh, they finished bronze in the last two tournaments. And we know Australia have been in the Cup final for the last six tournaments. They're the team to beat after winning everything last season. And on the men's side, you've had South Africa, Fiji, uh, Australia all bundled out in their cup quarterfinals, uh, which means playing in the men's semis. Uh, New Zealand taking on Ireland and... New Zealand taking on Ireland? New Zealand taking on the US and France against Argentina. There's so much going on here. Yeah, there's there's a plenty going on. And as, and as you said, hasn't been a great weekend for the Fijians, has it? They, the women lost to the US oh. in the quarters and their men lost to the Argies in the quarters. And do you know what? That's actually such a shame because... If you've been watching it on TV, the best fans here by far are the Fijian fans. They turn up an hour before the gates even open in the morning. They're here before all the volunteers and the kitchen staff and the broadcast crew. They're just so passionate and they love the game so much. So hopefully they actually stick around right until the very end because they bring so much colour um, and noise to this, this event. We need them here. So that's a real shame that... They haven't been able to perform. They've still got a couple of matches to go, though, so we hope their fans stick around as well. Yeah, indeed. And what's the atmosphere been like there, Kirst, given that this is a farewell to you know the Sevens World Series in New Zealand for the foreseeable future? Well, it's a funny one, the Sevens, eh? Like, if you've been to the Sevens, you'll know that you've got people coming from all over the world. You've got fans coming to support all different teams, which means people don't always sit in the stands for for the entire 12 hours or however long we're at the stadium for. They go out, they enjoy the festivities. There's uh, free rides going on outside. There's food trucks. There's music and bands playing uh, behind the stands. So there's all this action um, away from the field. And then fans come in, pack it out for their one game, and then they head off again. So you've got this incredible atmosphere inside, but you've also got an amazing atmosphere outside. It's, it's a real party vibe going on here. Um, but I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the end. I feel like we're going to have the Sevens back in New Zealand in some capacity. It may not be um, the HSBC World Sevens, but there's been some murmurs around that New Zealand Rugby will try and do their own tournament um, uh, next year. We're going to see, obviously, World Rugby take the seven series to seven different countries around the world. The men and women will be totally aligned uh, and they'll be more festival-like, not just focused on, on the sevens. But hopefully it comes back to New Zealand. This is a farewell for now, but hopefully I'll see you soon. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And what about the Black Ferns uh, sevens team? I mean, they absolutely crushed the Irish in the semi-32 to zip. They're looking really good. I think this is eight finals in a row they've made now, only three off their own record. Yeah, they are hot at the moment. And remember, uh, they've got all those women back that were playing in the Women's Rugby World Cup last year. The likes of Portia Woodman Whitcliffe, who's recently married. Stacey Flula's been absolutely on fire, as she always is. Sarah Hidden is back leading this side as well. But Michaela Blyde has been outstanding throughout the tournament. She's got so much pace on the outside. She doesn't even need any room. Just give her the ball when she (laughs) seems to score. And and one of the youngsters in this team, Georgia Miller, who's come out of Christchurch. uh, This is just her second year on the series. She is out the gate. She is so, so good. When you watch that New Zealand team, watch this young superstar do her thing because, like, she is the future of this team. She's absolutely amazing. 
Um, and with the way they're going, you have to think they're going to take it out. And hopefully the New Zealand men can make it through to their final as well. It was Georgia Miller wearing the 83. Is that her? She's wearing the 83. So that's her Black Ferns uh, debut number, which I quite like. I think it's different having those numbers rather than the stock standard one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, indeed. No, she looked, she looked um, uh, a real handful. And that's the other thing, Kirst, is you, like you said, uh, you know, talking about Michaela Blyde, uh, she certainly didn't have to go wide, Georgia. She went straight through the guts a couple of times. Honestly, she makes it look so easy. You see her get the ball, and she doesn't look like she's got that much pace on her, but she's got serious skill. She seems to get through uh, these gaps and score tries. Otherwise, she draws multiple defenders in, which means there's obviously a space somewhere on the field. She is such a good player. Um, And here's a little fun fact for you. She's a top Highland dancer, so she's got amazing footwork. There you go. Maybe maybe that's what we need to do, more Highland dancing with our... Uh, Highland dancing, Ricardo. With our packs. So can we get, oh, what's his name, Flatley over, over here to do give us give us some skills training. Um, Kirsty, <laughs> are, are you back on here tomorrow, Arvo? Yes, I am. First day back tomorrow. Really looking forward to it. I've missed radio. I've missed talking to everyone and interacting with everyone, so I actually can't wait to get into it. Oh, it'll, be fun. it'll be great to have you back. Uh, Beave, as you know, is in a is in a moon boot. He's had to have surgery on his yes. foot, he, and uh, uh, so he's he's not going to be much help to you. But uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Manai can help you carry the can and and carry Beave for the first week of your back. Can I just say thank you so much uh, for giving us the ability to go and have a break, Ricardo. You've done a wonderful job over the last month or so, and you're now due for a holiday. You should put your feet up, uh, hang the mic up for a wee bit. Um, because you've done an outstanding job. So thank you so, so much. No worries, Kirst. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. We'll let you get back to working hard for Sky at the Sevens, eh? Thanks for coming on and, give, and, and having a chat. Enjoy the rest of the day there. You too. Bye. Cheers. Kirst Anway there with us uh, out of the Sevens in Hamilton. Uh, the Irish uh, just about to beat the South Africans. They lead 21-14. to 14. Uh, This is the semi-final of the uh, – sorry, this is the bronze match, isn't it? It's the bronze match uh, for the men's. So uh, the Irish – uh, who are ranked ninth coming in. South Africans are ranked second, uh, and the Irish are about to pull off the big upset. 21-14, they lead here. I can tell you the game has uh, just started too over in uh, the States in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Uh, they are hosting the Giants, and the Eagles are big favourites. They've got a 14-3 record this season, uh, and they have just scored the first touchdown of the match. They are up 6-0 to zip inside the first five minutes with the kick to come in that one. And uh, if you missed it earlier, uh, big news from the Wellington Phoenix from Sky Stadium. The Phoenix uh, picking up their first win, the women's team of the season, getting up th- uh, 5-0 in the end over Canberra United. Plenty still of sport, uh, plenty more sports still to come your way, including tomorrow morning. Uh, there is a big game between Arsenal and Manchester United in the Premier League. That one is in London, and Eric Ten Hag and... Uh, Michael Arteta have been um, teeing up their teams ahead of this game. In terms of the market for this one, uh, the TAB have Arsenal down as $1.83 favourites at home. Manchester United, $4.00, the away team. The draw at three seventy five. Also tomorrow morning, Man City in action at home against Wolves. They are short favourites, paying $1.17. Wolves, 15s, the draw, 7s. And the early kickoff is Leeds, Brentford, Leeds, two thirty. Brentford 288, the draw 360. Don't mind Brentford at 288 uh, on that front. And then uh, also Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, Fulham play Tottenham, and Fulham are paying 320 at home, which I'd take all day because uh, Tottenham have been pretty patchy, it has to be said. We also have uh, more combat sports coming your way today. 
In fact, uh, the UFC 283 fight card, uh, Tiago Moises versus uh, Ezekiel Costa is getting underway in about 15 minutes. And of course, you've got uh, Superua as well up against Patera, the Ukrainian. And coming up, Glover Chisera will be fighting for the lightweight title at home in Brazil in front of a big crowd in Rio de Janeiro up against Jamal Hill. He is the outsider. Jamal Hill, $1.70. Glover is paying $2.10. Brandon Moreno, also a $1.71 favourite against Everson Figueiredo, who's paying $2.10. Gilbert Burns, another Brazilian. He's up against the American Neil Magny. Uh, and Magny, I think the value's with Magny here at four ninety five. I mean, Gilbert Burns is the favourite. Magny has a lot of reach on him, though, and uh, he's paying four ninety five, which I think is probably the value option. Lauren Murphy, also at four ninety five against Jessica Andrade at $1.16. And then the first game, uh, first fight of the main card is Paul Craig, uh, the Scotsman, up against Johnny Walker, who, even though his name's Johnny Walker, is actually Brazilian. Uh, you'd be surprised to know. Uh, Johnny Walker paying $1.50. He is the favourite there. So that card is underway at the moment. We've got the prelims going on ESPN at the moment. Uh, the pay-per-view kicks in in about an hour and a half's time uh, when we get uh, the pay-per-view card, we get the prelims out of the way. So, yeah, plenty going on at the moment. Heaps of live sport and... Stay tuned because we've got more live sport coming your way. The live call from the Phoenix. It is Daniel McCarty and David Choate with the Phoenix versus the Central Coast Mariners.